0: From the Quarantine Spook Show. Uh, I'm Kyle Carezzi. Uh, this is the show where I do improvised horror stories. What I do is I pull out random uh, story titles from a jar, and then I make up the stories from there. And if you're listening and you have any titles that you want to submit, uh, you can send them to quarantinespookshow at gmail.com you can contact me through more direct means. My throat's still, uh, acting up from when I was sick a couple weeks ago, so you might hear some of that. Luckily it wasn't COVID, just a really nasty cough, uh, that that was followed by a really nasty, uh, really nasty chest pain, and throat pain. special to, uh, you know, start off the show with, other than, I guess, just to chat about, like, uh, because I've been a bit busier recently, um, doing more things for income, uh, more things involving comedy and writing and whatnot, and it gets harder and harder to make time for this show So whenever I start the theme uh, on the keyboard here or on a piano when I'm doing an episode it always clicks me back into place you know like any performance like once you commence doing it it's just like ah just feels like the most natural thing in the world you know no but it's uh it's midway through December now more lights are coming up and there's certainly hol- holiday spirit in the air And out here in the Northwest, we just had our first snow last night. And that was a pretty uh, beautiful and profound thing to witness, as uh, the first snow usually is. Yeah, I'll be taking two weeks off from the show uh, during the holidays, most likely. So during that time, you know, I hope you are holidays are stellar, and that people are kind, Um, and I hope you get whatever love you need. But anyway, let's start the show. This story is called Skeleton Vengeance. would argue that uh, the aughts uh, in the aughts that uh, slasher movies had one last hurrah um, in the genre there was a lot of gnarly fucked up horror movies uh, that came out in the 70s where people were being killed and murdered recklessly and then once Halloween came out it kind of solidified a formula you know, uh, the killer would have a mask or some sort of fixation. They'd kill a bunch of teenagers, and there would often be a last girl, or at least one last survivor that would fight back against the slasher villain. And then, when the '80s came around, there was a lot of schlock that happened, uh, but also some pretty creative and uh, visually innovative uh, slasher movies. And also some that were just just plain fun. And then the '90s, uh, probably starting with Scream, uh, it reassessed the formula and added some more self-awareness to it. It really poked fun at its uh, at its tropes and degree of predictability. what also happened uh, throughout the 90s and the aughts is that once uh, people knew that slash movies were so predictable, you know, they became increasingly more mundane, you know, but also more slick. So, yes, yeah, some people would argue that in the aughts, you know, it was the last hurrah for that Slick slasher look, you know, really streamlined and all that It had its own unique sensibility about slashers But some other people would argue That that was a fall of the slasher uh, genre um, At least at, at least as people knew it at the time Certainly anyone can make a movie or tell a story about a bunch of randos being murdered by another rando. But there's there was a, there was definitely some lackluster attitudes about slackers uh, slashers uh, during that time. Of course, when the 20s rolled around, there was a resurgence of horror, just considering how everything was so fucked up in the world, you know, with the pandemic and all that jazz. It really invited an ingenuity, an enthusiasm for the genre. However, for this one uh, movie crew in 2005, they were just trying to... Make a movie, you know. They had a pretty sweet, ge- pretty sweet deal from Lionsgate to just release it as an independent feature, and if it did well, then Lionsgate would agree to release it in theaters. Now this was an exciting process for uh, uh, Harold Harrison. Harold Harrison I don't know why I said it I didn't say it that way the first time That's a much easier way to pronounce it It's almost like I was just literally making it up On the spot But anyway Harold Harrison Harold, Harold Harrison, Jesus Christ He was an aspiring director Did some shorts in high school and college Got to know special effects a bit I even spent some time in Kentucky doing that whole uh, horror scene thing that's happening over there. No, but this was a a theatrical feature. Back Back when those were still exciting, you know, at the ripe year of 2005. for uh, around the time when pop culture really sink in America and get really dull but that's besides the point so Harold was you know excited you know he had a script that he was really enthusiastic about and he thought he had a talented acting crew um, secretly all those actors they just thought of the slasher movie as a means to an end they just thought oh yeah the script isn't you know, is awful um, but all this accomplishes is just getting a theatrical film gig you know they're hoping to use it as a means to an end to get a you know better roles not better per se but certainly something with more exposure with better writing it's more entertaining more innovative, you know, but yeah, pretty much better in every measurable way uh, compared to Harold's script. You know, like Cassandra, who was the lead of the movie. She wanted to be, she wanted to pull a Jennifer Aniston and just uh, star in this really weird horror movie, and then just be the front face of some, uh, decade-defining sitcom or something, you know? And then there was Bob, you know, the male lead. Bob wasn't much of a thinker, but he loved horror movies so much. You know, yes, he wanted to make a good living, and yes, he wanted exposure and fame and all that jazz. But honestly, he wanted to make good shit. That was his main incentive. He'd always tell his friends, like, yeah, all that uh, fame or whatever, it's not worth it at all if you're not doing anything uh, cool with it, you know? I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, making really, really super generic shit that uh, appeals to a lot of people. But, you know, that's not what I want to do, because, you know, just do cool Indie features and whatnot, you know. That's what Bob would t- say to people, you know. And that's what he told Harold one day, um, really drunk at a bar. And Harold was like, "Hey, man, if you, if you really believe that, got a got a script, I think I get Lionsgate on board. So if you want if you want fucking in, man, then like, dude, it's gonna be fucking cool. We're gonna make a really cool fucking." Slasher movie, it's gonna be great And then Bob was all like Harold, you're drunk, sorry But, you know what I mean It's gonna be, it's gonna be cool We're gonna do cool things with this slasher movie And Bob just said you're Harold, you just keep saying it's cool I believe you, but you don't have to keep saying it And Harold was like, yeah, sorry, I'm just drunk And I just think everything's cool when I'm drunk Not that, I'm, that I feel this way about that script I think the script would be cool even if I was sober I'm just saying I'm just emphasizing its coolness because you know I am so drunk and Bob was like Harold please sorry man I'm just trying to be trying to be enthusiastic there's not enough fucking real shit in this business man I don't know I'll make indie features for my whole fucking life if it's where the real art is man Bob was like yeah that's how I feel you know So that's how Bob got signed on. Now at the time M. Night Shyamalan movies were pretty big. And it was also pretty big during the time to film horror movies uh, in the mid-Atlantic region. specifically in Pennsylvania uh, where all those spooky woods are a decade later there'd be a stronger uh, emphasis on the Northwest but this was 2005 so they end up finding some uh, spooky woods in a really deserted town haunted house and all that one day Bob was just like hey is that house really haunted and Harold was just like I don't it doesn't matter we're not gonna film there at all. It's cool. Now it was exciting for Harold to uh, get the deal with Lionsgate, but he had to do a lot of the production work and a lot of the heavy lifting himself. He had a the one producer named Ted. Uh, they've been best friends since grade school was trying to freak each other out with crazy horror stories and whatnot. So it was pretty much Ted and Harold trying to get a trying to score the location and get a lot of the props and whatnot. All this was done over the computer on, a in Ted's basement, as where his office was. He lived in a small house with, uh, four other people. So him and Harold would just, uh, try, you know, try to book, like, a, you know, set design people and whatnot and props and all that, and try to get them the rendezvous and get their schedules cleared, uh, for this, uh. deserted Pennsylvania town in the woods and their uh, booking process got a little bit heated when they were talking about uh, getting certain props and Ted was just like alright so how many how many skeletons do you need for this movie uh, Harold and Harold was just like I need a lot of skeletons 50 at least It's just like, alright Because, you know, we're not the only horror movies around I mean, we, I, I got fake skeletons But you apparently want, like, really Realistic skeletons Which is fine But it's harder to find, you know they're, Price gets higher in Hollywood To get these really Finely crafted, fake corpse skeletons And Harold's like, yeah I just want, like, their hair to, like Dangle off their heads and stuff have, like, some igu that hasn't, like, eroded all the way, like, I really want some really finessed stuff, you know, and Harold was just like, I just, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be perfect, it's gotta be right, you know, I need the best fucking skeletons in the business, man, like, if there's anything memorable about this movie, I want people to see this movie and be like, dude, these skeletons are so realistic and superb, and it's just, and Ted was just like, Ted, uh, Harold, are you drunk? I drank a little bit, Ted. I'll be honest. But, like, I'm just excited for this movie, you know. I When I when I get enthusiastic, I drink. Sorry. And Ted was just like, it's fine, I guess. As long as you can still work, you know. That's how I measure alcoholism. Like, if you can... doesn't matter if you can drink yourself to death or... ruin your relationships or whatever. But as long as you can work and keep your life relatively together, that's all I'm assessing for alcohol problems, and Harold was just like, oh, well, I can do that in spades then, so they kept making phone calls uh, about getting the right skeletons and price points for them from different production companies and uh, manufacturers uh, in California and uh, New York and whatnot, and Kentucky, because um, they may have a skeleton production plant, who knows? Prop production plan You know There are plenty of states That produce props That are not In New York or LA They're Called Canada in A couple spots And a couple provinces Um But still the price points Were higher than they wanted them to be So Harold was just like Ted If we don't get these skeletons I don't even want to make this movie And Ted was just like Well don't Don't say, don't be all Tarantino about it. And Harold's like, no, it's true. Like, skeletons are so fucking important. Like, if we don't get these skeletons, like, I think we're fucked. We're gonna be, like, spending six months on a set with these fake skeletons that look like shit. And we're all gonna be disheartened by it, and we're all gonna be thinking we're making this terrible movie, because we will be, and then we're gonna see it. And, like, what we're gonna see for an hour and 30 minutes is just six months of our lives wasted because I'm too much of an incompetent to get the right fucking skeletons for my vision, man. And Ted said, okay. I got another number we can call. I haven't brought it up because I think it's unethical. But if you're super desperate, to get the right skeletons, I'll give you the phone number and I'll leave the room. You can make that call, say whatever you have to say, purchase her book, whatever you have to purchase her book. I'll come in. And if you say, hey, Ted, I got the skeletons, I'm going to say, that's great. Good job, Harold. And then we can move on with the movie. but I don't want to call this number because I think it's wrong. And Harold was just like, I think I want to take a look at this number. And Ted said, okay. So Ted opened a drawer in his desk. Um, He kept a Rolodex uh, on the table um, for easy access, but he had a different one with fewer cards in them this drawer with a lock on it that was unlocked so Ted spent like a minute like fishing through it a little bit and he pulled out a torn up blue sticky note with a phone number on it and he just left it on the desk and then walked out of the room Harold saw it, stared at it, looked at the numbers, the color of ink, it was blue, blue on blue post-it note, um, seemed counterintuitive, he didn't know why Ted did that, unless Ted was unconsciously not wanting to preserve the number, so at this day it wouldn't happen. Harold takes to post it and, uh, makes the call. And the phone rings on the other end three times. And then there's, a then it's answered, uh, it was definitely a landline phone, and it definitely sounded, uh, had that far away sound to it. And it just said, uh, hello? And then Harold said, yeah, hi, um, are you a, uh, prop man- manufacturer? uh, for movie sets and stuff and plays. And the voice on the other end said, no. And then, uh, Harold said, oh, well, do you, like, do you, uh, do special effects stuff or anything like that? And then the other, the voice on the other end said, uh, no. And Harold said, okay. Well, I need fifty... skeletons. There's long pause. Uh, sound like the person on the other end was like jotting something down. All right. When and where do you need them? And Harold said, uh, "Yeah, I need them. in uh, need them about six months. Uh, and I give you the uh, address for the town that we're in. We're in Pennsylvania, U.S. So then uh, Harold uh, recited the address for. Where all the shipments for props and stuff would go to. And the voice on the other end said, "Okay, so do you want um, do you want all adults, all men, all women? What do you need?" Harold thought about it. He thought he needed a uh, all adult men because there's gonna be a lot a lot of soldiers uh, in this movie. thought, uh, you know what, I guess, uh, let's go, uh, 20 men, 20 women, and, uh, let's go 10, do you have any, uh, child skeletons? Voice paused on the other end and said, yeah, yeah, we got child skeletons. And then Harold said, yeah, well, I guess, uh, some of those skeletons as well, 10 of those, that'd be great. And the voice said, yeah, the child skeletons are going to be a bit more expensive, that all right. And then Harold said, "That's fine. It's uh, totally fine with me." And then the voice said, "All right, we'll get them to you then." And Then he hung up before Harold can say goodbye or anything like that. Ted walked back in. He uh, had a bag. He had a bag of, a bag of uh, Fritos that he was munching on. And Harold looked at Ted and was just like, "Um, I just booked some skeletons." Ted was, looked at him, uh, the face muscles on Ted's face was, you know, conveyed enthusiasm and glee, just like, oh, great, you did the thing, oh, we got this project up and going again, but his eyes were just blank and disappointed, and in the most hollow tone that Harold has ever heard Ted speak in the years that they would known them since grade school, Ted was just like, ah, that's great, man. they kept uh, booking things at night but they didn't say much to each other going smooth for a while. Everyone had a lot of fun on set that first month. You know, the town that they were in you know, was very rich with uh Revolutionary War history. You know, and it really fit the the whole architecture of the town, and Designs of the buildings, and the, there's even old like farm equipment from the 1800s, kind of like around, like on side streets and stuff, or in like backyards and whatnot. And it really fit uh, what what Harold was trying to communicate. They didn't shoot any scenes scenes with the, uh, the skeletons though. They were tucked in a back storage set, shed, uh, or tucked in a in a uh, in a van where a lot of the props were kept and that's where all the skeletons were they weren't dressed up yet or anything it was just skeletons a special effects guy and a prop guy that was on set who was doing a great job with like all the gore and all that you know Harold told everyone that no, this guy's like the next time of like for sure like he's the shit you know but every once in a while Harold would pull him aside and be like hey let me know when you're um let me know when you're dealing with the skeletons the prop guy Charles would be like, Well, I'm probably going to be dealing with them, you know, once we start shooting the scenes with the skeletons, you know, with all the soldiers, you know, rising from the grave and all that. And then Harold was like, Yeah, yeah, that's great, that's great. Um, but just let me know when you're going to do them. I want to I oversee it a little bit, if that's cool. Like, I want you to do your job. You're fucking awesome at it. But these skeletons are pretty delicate. Um, so I just want to make sure they're cool. Charles just kind of nodded and said, huh, oh, okay." You know, and Harold's biggest grievance with a lot of horror movies is that they'd always slack off on the uh, you know, the human relation slash a lot of slasher movies would slack off on the human relationships, you know, and really just like go all out on the kills and the gore, you know, make a sport out of it. But he also wanted to wanted it to be a good movie. Even if it wasn't a slasher movie, it had a bunch of kills in it, you know? That was his standard as a filmmaker, storyteller, horror dude. So those were some of the first scenes that they were doing for that first month or two. And he was really relishing it. He really wanted to draw out the emotions and whatnot. And, you know, Bob rolled with it, and uh, Cassandra was also into it. She also wanted to express her acting ability and her... uh, emotional capacity um, and her sense of humor just to showcase, you know, what she's got you know, her idiosyncrasies but also her ability to just be a stable uh, firm grip on a, on a cast, you know yeah, she was enjoying herself making the movie, but all she was thinking about was her res- resume, pretty much No, it was exciting, the film. They got to the jump into a lot of film in a lot of old buildings. Uh, it was pretty much a bunch of college kids doing a bunch of research on the Revolutionary War, and uh, they disturb a gravesite, and uh, then all the zombie goose people uh, go after them. It's pretty much the gist of it. It is also supposed to be a commentary on America and whatnot, and the nature of war, and the unnecessary glorification of it. thought it'd be very poignant, you know, to make it as realistic as possible. He thought about the skeletons from time to time and thought about his ethics and what that means in art and storytelling and filmmaking all that, But he just thought to himself, no, you gotta do what you gotta do, man, you know, it's like art for art's sake, man, you know, you gotta make great shit at all costs because we got nothing else, man, you know. To his credit, all I had in mind was just make a good movie. But sometimes people get more than what they bargained for. So at the end of that second month, uh, Charles approaches him. And he's just like, alright, so I'm about to get those skeletons uh, out of the van. And we're just, I'm gonna dress them up in old, uh, you know, an old, uh, Revolutionary War clothes, and you know, I got a bunch of blue uniforms, uh, and I got some, uh, get some, uh, British uniforms as well, but you don't want that, you just want it to be like the, uh, the American burial site, right? And Harold said, yeah, yeah, it's going together, I can help you carry stuff or whatever, uh, I just wanna, you know, I wanna just oversee it, and Charles said, right, oversee it, Sure. So they went to the van,
1: and Harold the saw
0: them for the first time, uh, the skeletons. There's a wave of uh, relief and disappointment that he got when he first saw them, um, because the skeletons looked really fake, you know? I mean, some of them were like a little bit yellow, or like a little bit gray, or a little bit grainy. We saw them, like, oh, these are, like, the most fakest skeletons I've ever seen, like, I've seen Halloween decorations better than this, so he's helping Charles pull them out, and they got, like, a tinted area, uh, where he does all, Charles does all the makeup and whatnot, getting started with the uniforms, kind of tattering them up, getting some dirt on them, you know, some, uh, he had this really good tactic of, uh, he would put some blood on the skeletons and on the clothes, and then when they were on the skeletons, he'd, like, try to, like, wipe them off and, like, get it to dry off a little bit, but it would be mixed with, like, a, this dust and dirt mixture that he kept with him, and, it uh, made it look like so that the blood was, like, really, really old and just, like, stained the bones, you know, and Harold was very impressed with it but then uh, then Charles said uh, excuse me uh, Charles said yeah these uh, these skeletons are super realistic and Harold said yeah and uh, they no they kind of look fake to me and then Charles said well you know uh, I mean that's the thing about have you ever seen a skeleton in real life? Harold said, no, I guess, other than, like, a museum or something, but I guess not. And then Charles said, well, you know, if you ever see footage, you know, of, um, after, you know, like, after someone, you know, not they should seek this out, but after someone, like, Birds to death or something, you know, it's, like, their bodies look like fake skeletons, pretty much, you know, because when you see movies and stuff, they always try to, like, finesse it and, like, really make it super detailed, and whatnot, uh and they look cool sometimes, but that's not really what skeletons or corpses look like, you know. It's as it's a decaying body, it's as mundane as anything else, you know. But yeah, these skeletons really really gotta go and like they even got like the the erosion on the bone surface and all that, you know. And then Harold was like, Yeah, yeah, I guess, um I guess they they do, huh? Charles says, yeah, it's, I mean, like, it reminds me of just, like, oh, like you, uh, a lot of uh, 80s horror movies, like, there'd be a bunch of rumors that uh, there'd be skeletons, like, shipped off from China because there were war prisoners and stuff and whatnot, you know? I mean, grave robbing and selling bones, it's, you know, it's, as, it's a trade as old as uh, any, uh, as history, as human history itself, you know? Kinda fucked up, I wouldn't do it I mean, what kind of psycho would you have to be to just like Ah, I gotta buy bones for my little movie, no offense And Harold's just like, yeah, what kind of Probably someone who really cares about his vision, I'm sure And Charles was like, yeah, I'm sure you do Just saying And then Harold was just like, oh, well, well What are you saying? Charles just looked at him Kind of like a bewildered smile and a grin on his face, almost in disbelief of what Harold asked him. And then Charles just said, I'm just saying. And then went back with his work, uh, not saying anything. And Harold started to walk off, and Charles said, Yeah, these kid bodies, you know, they're also really realistic, huh? then, uh, Harold said, yeah. Almost like the real thing. And he just walked off. They didn't have any shoots that day, and, uh, he didn't talk to anyone for the rest of the afternoon. They actually had, like, a nice day off, so they're gonna have, they were talking about having drinks that night, but Harold didn't participate. Yeah, Charles was just getting some of the skeletons prepped, uh, for a scene for the next day, and Harold was alone in his hotel room uh, while the actors were out drinking and some of the crew too. Yeah, just having a having a bottle of gin all by himself. Gerald was getting lonely, as he always does when he drinks. He was getting to that level of drunk when he was just uh, dribbling liquor off his lips, just trying to wipe it off with his sleeve and all that. He started to become an uh, an untidy drinker uh, after his fourth drink. But he was drinking from the bottle tonight, so he just was not counting. He wasn't in the... didn't want to deal with the skeletons at all let charles do it that's what he's doing that's what he's paid to do i'm not the visionary the creative man and i even helped produce some of this thing you know i'm the fucking dude who's in charge of this vision of this art fuck so many shit horror movies these days but i'm gonna fucking change it man or that's what harold was telling himself um What he didn't know is that a lot of people, uh, some people on the crew were just like, you know, just like muttering to each other and they're just like, this movie's kind of shit, yeah. A little bit. I mean, it's rain to be seen, but let's just see where it goes. It was still too early in the process to see whether the movie would be really good or really not so good the unfortunate thing for Harold is he didn't know that there was a fine line between there's a fine line between vision and delusion and Harold didn't always have a grasp of where that line was and in a m- moderate drunk stupor he was trying to Think about that line. He's just like, oh, "Am I doing all the wrong shit? Am I making a good horror movie after all? Did I fuck up my own my first shot at a real movie?" And during this uh, parade of thoughts, he heard a light scratching at his window. He was on the second floor of his hotel. He thought it was a bird or something or a tree branch kept rattling and scraping so he goes out and opens the curtains doesn't see anything out there no trees no critters no leaves no nothing he closes the curtains again but as he was drinking he had to go to the bathroom and he was like time to time to break the seal So he goes into the bathroom, and he sees a skeleton sit on the toilet. He says, whoa, and he jumps back, almost falling over. He runs out of the bathroom, puts the cap on his gin bottle, and then tosses it on the bed. Now that almost sobered him up. So he tries to go back into the bathroom again. Skeleton's gone. And then he hears a knock on the door, and then he jumps in fright. And he's just like, "Oh shit, fuck, fuck! I'm so fucking, so fucking trunk, fuck!" All right, okay, all right, got this. I got this. You got this. The door kept knocking, and he just leaned over the counter in his bathroom and looked in the mirror, just like, "Hey, man, you, you got this. You can do it. Like you always have." stumbled out of the bathroom to the door and he opens it in his head and Ted's like, hey Harold, how's it, uh, how's it hanging? And Harold's just like ha, ah, ah. ha you know man just having ideas, just trying to think of tomorrow's uh, shoot you know, just trying to wonder how I'm going to steer everything you know, how it always is and Ted was just like, yeah I hear you you know, I really missed you last night, you know. We were, we were talking about the movie, you know. There was some, you know, some crew guys thought it was shit, but I was like, nah, man, Harold's really stoked about it, and, and the script's pretty the script's pretty good, so I think it's gonna be a, we're gonna be, like, a we're making a really special jet, man, you know. I was fighting for you, man. Ted was also a little bit drunk. Harold was too freaked out by the whole bathroom skeleton thing to be concerned that some people on crew thought his movie was shit and that he was a hack, but Harold was just like, yeah man, that's cool. Thanks, man. That's why we're fucking in it together, man, you know? we're, you know. I know you won't let me make a shit movie. And then Ted was just like, Ha, hey, I'm fucking fucking trying, man. But you've been uh you've been spacey for the past um you know, past couple weeks. Um You know I mean, like we made those short films together and you were fucking on it and you were focused. But um you're you're doing alright man. You wanna talk about it? Harold's just like, yeah, yeah, let's let's talk. So both they both sit on the bed together. Um, you know, Harold grabs a gin bottle, takes a little swig of it, and he's just like, You want any? And Ted was like, No, I had a lot of a lot of fucking beer, I don't want any gin after that. Like whiskey and beer, and then oh why not gin? Like, no, no, no. I'm 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 drunk, man. I'm fucking I'm hammered, dude, I am hammered. And Harold's like, Yeah, I can tell, man, I can tell. And then Ted was just like, I don't get hammered often, man. But, like, man, I just fucking... Dude, I'm so fucking technical about film shit all the time. And I'm just like, I gotta fucking let the brain loose a little bit. Like, I'm gonna be hungover as fuck tomorrow. But I'm gonna feel more relaxed as the week goes on. I can tell. I'm gonna sleep good tonight. And uh, Harold was like, yeah. Yeah, were we we talking about something? And Ted was just like, I don't know, man. I just love you love this fucking movie man we're fucking making a movie it's been a long time coming man and Harold's like i know i'm stoked ted i gotta tell you something i'm scared shitless of those skeletons man and ted was like do dude i don't want to i don't want to hear about the skeletons man and Harold was just like yeah no dude you gotta hear about the skeletons you know I think I really fucked us. I think we cursed this movie. I think I cursed this movie. I cursed us. with These fucking skeletons. These skeletons are going to get us, you know? I thought I was making a horror movie about, like, some imaginary shit, a work of fiction that some actors would represent, and some special effects would make spooky, and, like, the right viewpoints to really, like, get the audience on board and compel them. But I think we're the fucking horror story, man. Because these fucking these skeletons are gonna get us they're gonna get us they're gonna get us good ted and ted was like dude i don't want to hear that man and harold was like but ted it's true think they're real skeletons i saw them for the first time today and charles was just like trying to guilt me about it but like not being a dick about it because i guess we're like working together or whatever he's, he's trying to be professional which is cool i respect it but he's not cool with working with those skeletons i don't know if he feels bad it i think he used to work in death work and that's part of why he's so good at special effects but i don't think he's too concerned about working with death or whatever but he's doesn't feel great about it i don't feel great about it and you didn't feel great about it when you gave me that number and ted was just like listen I'm sorry, man. Ah, fuck, man. You know, it wasn't just you, Harold. I gave you that number. You know. But shit, man, you made the call. Like, you know, I didn't put that ring VHS in the VCR, you know. I just happened to have the tape. Like, that's how I feel about it. And Harold's like, oh, thanks, Ted. I appreciate you having my back, you know, as a film cohort, since we were fucking kids when we just had a camcorder just like filming squirrels eating nuts and shit. And Ted was just like, yeah, okay, you're right. No, you're not. I don't know, man. I'm afraid of skeletons, too. I think they're after you, though, probably. And Harold was just like, why would you, why would you say that, man? At my lowest moment, why would you say something that would just like fuck me up so much when I'm almost midway through making my first feature film and possibly my last based on the way it's going. And Ted was just like, I don't know, man, that number, I I don't, that number is, um, I got that number from some weird, weird, weird guys, yeah. And Harold was just like, what kind of, what kind of guys? And Ted was just like, I don't, these guys, I don't know. It was like, you know, have you seen Dark City at all? And Harold was just like, No, man. I saw it for thirty minutes of it and I was like, no. And Ted was just like, okay, that's fair, but like, these were like some Dark City guys. Like, I'm not saying they're like aliens that control everything or whatever, but like they were mysterious. They they were weird. They seemed like they were part of a some sort of government or organization or something something malicious. They had they had like the vibe, man, like You know, like the vibe you get when you meet someone who's like killed people and didn't care about it, you know, like they saw through me, you know, they had like Terminator eyes, you know, and Harold was like, did they, were they like Terminators? And Ted was like, no, man, you're missing the point. I'm just saying like, you know, I was, you know, I was just having some meetings. I was trying to pitch some ideas, you know, trying to get some funding for this movie. Um, You know, I met these guys. I was trying to, I thought it was an executive meeting the whole time. I was meeting at a studio. Some indescript building in like a, you know, in fucking uh, in Burbank, you know. We were chatting and they were just like staring me down. And I was asking like, oh, some funding, some resources, you want to help make this movie? Yeah, again, I thought they were from a studio. Like some friend told me about them. Like, oh, these guys are trying to do some indie stuff, submitting it to festivals and stuff. Maybe you can talk to them. And I was like, cool. So I did that. And they just gave me some phone numbers of resources to call. And I called one of them. Um, but It was such a terrible, terrible conversation. And then Harold was just like, well, what kind of what conversation was it? I don't know, I just, I just called them, and they are just like, what kind of blood do you need? And they were, like, going, like, specifically, like... They were talking about, like, what kind of blood do you need? Like, they had, like, donors, like, on the spot. Like, we can get blood for whoever you want, you know. Any type of age, regional demographic, you know, ethnicity. All that stuff, man. And Harold was like, oh, Jesus, you know. It's like the thing when, like, uh, you know, like, political prisoners are being used as uh, props for her movies and stuff. And Ted was just like... I thought about that, but I think it's deeper and weirder. I don't know, man. I think it's like, it's like hostile but creepier. I don't, I don't know. I shouldn't have called them. I shouldn't have saved those numbers saved those numbers. But you know what? I want to make good movies too, man. So, Harold, I'm sorry that I fucked you over. That I gave you the tools that you needed to just fuck yourself over. All right. I take responsibility for that. and I'm sorry. And Harold is like, a Ted. Ted man shit. Alright. We both sat in silence for a while. And Harold was like, maybe we can give those skeletons back. Maybe we can take them to like a like a bone specialist, get them identified, get them to who they belong to. You know, and we, I can write something in the script to be like fucking no skeletons. It um, could just be ghosts instead of like zombies or something. You know, I mean CGI is in its prime right now, so I think we can really, we can really do something special with it. And Ted was just like, "Yeah, maybe we can. Um, yeah, I'm willing to do that, man." And Harold was like, "Hey, Ted." Let's go to the van now. Take a look at those skeletons. Um, let's just, like apologize to them, you know. Maybe make a call tonight about it. And Ted was like, "Well, let's just call tomorrow, you know. Or maybe we can put off. Can we? We can put off the shoot, maybe." And Harold was like, oh, "I just want to get this movie made, man." Ted was like, "I know, but if you have to like rework this whole prop situation, like we gotta, we gotta put some shit off, man." Harold was like, oh, fuck, I just don't want anything to get in the way of my movie, you know? And Ted was just like, Harold, I get it, but, like, do you want to make good art, or do you want to be a good person? And Harold was just like, oh, fuck, I don't, I don't know, man, but we gotta go see those skeletons. And Ted was like, no, we don't gotta see them now, let's deal with it tomorrow, we'll talk to Charles, see if he knows anyone. Uh, He said he he was a Death Work, right? Maybe he knows some people. Harold's like, no, let's fucking, let's go, man. Let's just fucking go. Harold gets up and then just, like, walks, puts on his shoes and a coat. <coughs> and then walks out of the, uh, walks out of the building, walks out of the room in the hall, and Ted's just like, Harold, where are you going? And then Harold's just like, I'm getting those skeletons, man. And Harold walks out of the building, Ted's following him. The van with the skeletons is not far from the hotel. But it's pretty cold out, so it's a bit of a hard walk. And Ted's like walking like, uh, two yards behind him. And he's just like, Harold, Harold, where are you going? Stop. And then Harold's just like, I'm going, man, I'm going. I'm saying sorry. And then Ted was just like, Harold, Harold, come on. Harold, come on. And Harold's just like, I'm going. Going, Ted. It was a weird walk. Not many people were awake that night, but the people who were were just like, what the fuck are those fucking movie people? What are they doing now? You know? It was a small town in PA, you know? So Harold made it to the van. was locked with a padlock at the back was. And he was like, fuck, I think I got think I got a key here. And then Ted was just like, oh, dude, you don't gotta do this. We'll do it tomorrow, man. And Harold's just like man, man, no, I gotta, I gotta. And he opens it and opens the doors at the back. The skeletons aren't in there. There's some props from the movies all scattered around, but out of the 50 skeletons, none of them were in there. the number it's okay man we both got greedy look we can make this right we can make this right man and Ted was just like nah you can but ah, fuck man I I can't you know and then Harold was just like Ted what, what what are you saying here and Ted was just like they gave me a lot of money man I'm sorry like I know look we've been making movies since we were kids right but like, you know, whenever we make a project, you know, try to submit something to a festival or whatever, like I'm always like the producer guy, you know, like, I got fucking script ideas too, and Harold was just like, I know you have script ideas but you never, like, when we ever try to make a movie, you never pitch them or, or at all, or like speak up i would be like, hey, I got a really cool like movie idea, or like a script idea or a short film idea that we could do and you're always just like, oh yeah man that sounds cool, you never really contribute to it, you know chime in your ideas um you sometimes you say like oh i got an idea and i say yeah that's a cool idea but you never make the push like oh we should make this because if you ever did that i'd be like dude let's totally make it or let's come up with an idea together you know but i thought i thought you know i thought you were cool with like doing the production side i thought that's a part of showbiz you were into you know like the technical stuff like it's i do that you know i've been doing that with you i help help you out with that you know You could have helped me with the creative stuff. That's fine, man. We're a fucking team, you know. It's cool if we, like, delegate tasks or whatever, but, like, we're collaborative. We've been hitting this together for a long time, man. And Ted was just like, I know, man, but, like, this fucking shit movie's not gonna be my big break, man. I need, I got fucking ideas, too. I got networking shit going for me. Got some pitch meetings set up for, you know, after this shoot. Like, I really, you know, I gotta just fucking go. I gotta go with my heart, man. I got dreams, too. And just Harold was just like, Ted, we could have done this together, man. It's cool. We could still do this together. Ted started to tear up a little bit. No, man. No, we can Harold didn't say anything. His mouth was just slightly open. Mildly drooling after drinking a lot, but this situation was certainly sobering him up. And then he started to hear footsteps, a massive amount of footsteps. slow. Some of them were in costume uh, for the movie. You know, in soldiers' uniforms that were all tattered. Harold didn't know if any of them were actually soldiers. Maybe some of them were. He started to back away from the skeletons. They were slow. But when he turned around and tried to go back to the hotel, of so some skeletons coming from behind buildings and down the street. All the movie vans were parked on the, uh, the end of a street, so it's all grass and some other vans. And all the skeletons started to appear from the vans and behind trucks. And Harold found, him, found himself surrounded. Ted just started to slowly back away. He's just like, I'm so sorry, man. And Harold was just like, Ted, you really fucked me. And Ted was just like, I'm sorry, man. And then Harold screamed, you fucked me, Ted, come on. Skeleton started to move in closer. Close enough to grab Harold. He was able to shake a couple off. But more and more started to swarm him. Then he started to scream. Ted couldn't stand the scream, so he covered his ears. But he could still hear them. He could even hear the sounds of flesh tearing from Harold. His scream started off with with a lot of passion for a man uh, screaming for his life. They started to become more mechanical, like like as just just an organism going through the biological motions. Because at this point all of his uh, pieces of Harold's brain were missing, so it was just a body going through his last impulses, but still the screams continued even through that. And then it was silent than with a shuffling of footsteps on the grass. And Ted just ran back to the hotel in tears. And he went back to his room, and he forgot that uh, some people from the cast and crew were chilling in his room. He only meant to talk to Harold for just a little bit, but he spent the whole night there. So Cassandra and Bob and uh, some other crew guys and cast guys were just uh, like, oh, what's going on, Ted? And Ted was like, nah, I don't know where Harold is, man. And then Cassandra was like, oh, what do you mean? And Ted was like, I think, I don't know, I think he did something to himself. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just being paranoid, maybe. And Bob was like, oh, we can try to go find him or something. And Ted was like, "No, nah, I was out. I was out all night trying to find him. I don't know where he is let's just go to sleep, maybe we can find him in the morning, maybe I'm just being paranoid, maybe he's just in his, you know, just dozed off in a bathtub or something, I don't know, but let's not, let's not worry about him now, I'm sorry, I'm I'm making a scene, and Bob was like, no, no, don't worry about it, man, we can find him, you know, maybe he's just like stressed about the movie, and just had to go for a walk or something, and then Ted was like, yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know, we'll, we'll find him, we'll, we'll find him, that next day Harold didn't show up and they all kind of tried to search for him in the usual usual spots but none of them uh, found him then they brought the police in uh, to try to look for him or at least find his body but still nothing Ted overheard a conversation between Cassandra and Bob, and Cassandra was like, how do you think that he would just, like, abandon his movie? Do you think he went back to, like, L.A. or something? And Bob was like, nah, his fucking passion is horror movies and filmmaking and stuff. He wouldn't just, like, abandon it out of the blue, you know? Or if he did, I have no idea why he would. Ted was starting to tear up up when he heard that uh, conversation. After about a week and a half, uh, Lionsgate made the decision to uh, bring in another director um, to fill in uh, for Harold until he comes up again, or indefinitely until the end of the movie. Uh, Whatever happened first, if Harold did show up, they can uh, hold filming and then resume when he's well again. In the meantime, they're just going through production, and they had this conversation with Ted. And then Ted said, oh, I can I can direct the movie. And then the Lionsgate representative was like, no, we need someone with uh, more experience. But, you know, maybe, you know, pitch to us, uh, you know, down the road. And we can talk about something. So they brought in another director uh, to, you know, to direct. And he was, uh, Ted was giving him a tour of all the stuff on set, you know, introducing him to the cast, the crew, uh, the equipment that they had, uh, Charles, and uh, all the props and whatnot. And, uh, this new director was like, yeah. "Yeah, I'm really excited to make this movie, uh, Warblood. You know, so I'm stoked about it. I even saw, you uh, know, Harold's uh, shorts. You know, I'm a big Harold Harrison fan. And then Ted was like, "Oh, okay." Director was like, "Yeah, just you know, I mean, I'll do things my way here, but you know, whenever he chimes in, I'm happy to. Like, I want to see what he does with like a feature, you know? That'd be really fucking cool." And Ted was like, "Yeah, it would be, it would be cool. Hopefully, hopefully he turns up. I don't know where he is." So they go into the uh, the van truck with the uh, with the skeletons. See them all in there, and then the new director was just like, "Whoa, we're you gonna use all these skeletons." And then Ted was just like, "Yeah, that was that was Harold's vision. He wanted he wanted 50." And then the new director was like, "Okay, all right. I don't know if I'll use 50, but maybe like 20. Uh, well, we'll go for the script again and see what we can see what we can fit it all in." see what we can get them all to do, you know. then he started to count all the skeletons. And then Ted was just like, yeah, we're actually, um... I guess Harold booked the, uh, booked the skeletons, but, uh, they're not an actual purchase, they're actually a rental. We have to return them to the spot they were delivered from, so we have to make a delivery once we wrap up uh, the shoot and whatnot. director was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, but, um, you know, I think they made a, maybe they made a mistake. Uh, I not know, am counting, uh, 51 skeletons here. And Ted was just like, oh, yeah, maybe they miscounted, I don't know. As long as the same amount of skeletons that came over are sent back, that's fine. So if it's 51, that's 51. But only Ted knew that, uh, one of those skeletons, uh, was Harold Harrison. Coroutine Spook Show, and I'm Kyle Karezi. So I hope all of your holidays are stellar, and I'll see you all in 2022.